What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the podcast with the best advice. This is In Their 20s with your host, Landon Campbell. We have a very fun episode planned for you today. We're speaking with two founders who have revolutionized the locker industry. Eric Levy, who's the founder of Luxor One, and Alex Ajazi, who's the founder of Ballbox. Quick info on this industry. Um, through 2026, it's reported that parcel management will be worth over $1.4 billion. Not only am I here to share the best advice from the best people, but I want to make sure that you guys have all the information on emerging industries where there are so many opportunities for 20-somethings. So I learned a lot this episode. I learned a lot about lockers. So I'm really excited for you to learn too. So without further ado, we're going to jump in. But before we do, as always, thank you so much to our amazing sponsors, Unstoppable Wallet and Stuvo. Unstoppable Wallet is the most efficient way to purchase crypto, plain and simple. They are the youngest wallet to be supported by Bitcoin.org. You can learn more about Unstoppable Wallet at unstoppable.money and Stuvo. In a world where there are so many gig opportunities, Stuvo uses an AI tool to help you find the best short-term work opportunities. Perfect for any 20-something looking to take on a lot of new opportunities. You can learn more about our friends at Stuvo on their website, stuvo.com, and also download the app today on the Apple Store and Google Play. All right, let's jump in with Eric and Alex to hear their best advice for people in their 20s. Eric, Alex, again, super excited to have you guys on In Their 20s to talk about your professional journeys, your advice for 20-somethings, and why 20-somethings today should be super excited about the world of personal management um, and locker storage. So we're going to go ahead and get started. I love to start at the beginning. Um, so we'll start with you, Eric. I saw that you went to Bentley University. What was one routine that you developed during your college days uh, that you still use today? Oh, boy, that's, that's, a, that's a great question, Landon. Uh, you know, I didn't start developing a lot of my routines till later in life, right? I mean, kind of early on, just a, a lot of figuring things out. Um, I was always very present. So for me, you know, I don't learn great reading books. I mean, I do now, but in, in college, I didn't. Um, and so it's just around being present, being in meetings, really paying attention. And I'm, I observe a lot and ask a lot of questions and learn things kind of through my ears. Uh, so I did great in school just by seeing there and being in class. And, uh, you know, to me, that's probably... One of the things that's, that's most important to me is just always listening, trying to get all the different cues from different places and putting that all together into a cohesive uh, thought that you can then execute on. Of course. Yeah. I mean, we were born with two ears and one mouth for a reason. I mean, listening is really, really an important skill to have. Um, I had a boss early in my college career uh, for an internship that, that I had, and uh, he gave me some really good advice that uh, the best leaders in the room are the last ones to speak. So I think that uh, 20-somethings developing listening skills early can really help them in the rest of their careers. Um, and Alex, of course, you're a Michigan State man. I'm going to throw the same question to you. Uh, what is that one routine that you started in college uh, that you would advise any 20-something to pick up early? I think it's just all about consistency, um, you know, being able to uh, do the same thing no matter where you are, no matter what you're kind of going through. So I have, you know, my my daily routines and it kind of sticks, uh, you know, consistency in my life, you know, wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. Um, but, yeah, you know, just uh, just try to stick to uh, stick to the to stick to the code and, and uh, you know, adopt adopt what you need uh, in your life to help you. Uh, you know, accomplish whatever you got to do. So 
just it's all about consistency getting your morning coffee getting your uh, weekly routine in for working out um getting that down is uh is key for me love that advice because it's not just for business you know it could be within sports i could be within you know a creative hobby that you have anything that you do if you want to see actual results um you have to be consistent you know and consistency helps build notoriety behind what you're doing, you know, so people, if they see, you know, the public, they see that you're doing something every single week, that's when they start to take it seriously. But most importantly, if you want to master something, if you want to become better at something, you need to be consistent. Uh, So Eric, when it comes to this space, personal management, how did you find consistency? Like, how did you learn about this space during the early days? Um, And walk us through your journey um, before starting Luxor One. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I've been an entrepreneur for a little over 15 years now since uh, 2015. So I guess we're going on 17 years. Uh, but I started my career in the corporate world. So after graduating college, I uh, went to, to started at GE and went through one of their two-year leadership management training programs. Just a fantastic program to really give you exposure to a lot of things. And I think it's, uh, it's, it's a lot of my successes of being an entrepreneur is being a jack of all trades. So, you know, I have a business degree from Bentley University you talked about, very well-rounded education. Uh, I do have a, a specialty in computer science and, and mathematics. Um, but then, you know, GE started in all these different roles, worked for a startup after that, worked for a mid-sized company, worked in the tech industry. So I, I cut my teeth in a lot of different areas uh, in my 20s before I started Laundry Locker. Um, Laundry Locker was a idea that came to me. I've kind of been reading a lot of books and, and preparing myself for many years to start my own business but needed a good idea. So I said, if I ever come up with a good idea, I'm going to give it a go. But I, I you know, came up with a lot of bad ideas. This was the first idea that I was just like, man, this is a great freaking idea. And so what happened was uh, I was commuting every day from San Francisco up to Santa Rosa to sort of after dot-com and, and San Francisco is kind of a ghost town. It's tough to find jobs there. And so I was commuting about an hour and a half every day. I leave my house at six in the morning. I get home at seven o'clock at night. And it was literally a dry cleaner inside my apartment building, but they were open from eight to five and I could never get my clothes done. So I worked out there. I said, listen, if I just put my clothes in front of the door, will you come pick them up uh, and service them? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, well, this is kind of unsafe. It's sort of, you know, downtown San Francisco. If I had a locker in here, this would be amazing. So that's, that was sort of my impetus. And I was like, man, these lockers will work really great. You just drop it off whenever you want. The dry cleaner can pick it up, service it. Whenever she's done, puts it in there. And I get home at 7 o'clock at night, and I pick up my dry cleaning. So that was sort of my uh, my first concept. And I can get into the details of cutting my teeth there and, and what it took to, to make that a successful business. Um, but that was in you know, 2005. Um, Amazon was around. They were starting to get some traction, but it was nothing like you see these days. So a building would get two or three packages a day. And what started happening through the years of doing Laundry Locker you know, that went from two to three packages a day to five, 50, 20, 50, 100 packages a day getting delivered to these buildings. And when you're getting a couple packages a day, not a big deal. The front desk handles it. When you're getting 50 or 100 packages a day, you need a solution. And so it was relative. We, we were hearing a lot of demand from the market that we were servicing. We were putting lockers into apartment buildings for dry cleaning and laundry. And so they came and said, here's what we really need is a solution for packages. And that's how I got into the package delivery space and bringing lockers into that space. And, uh, you know, a lot of it was being at the right place at the right time and being able to execute on that opportunity. Of course. Yeah. I mean, I'd mentioned before the interview, I have a Luxor one uh, locker downstairs and uh, before they installed it, 
it was a mess boxes everywhere yeah. so i just love that you know these spaces are able to really consolidate you know packages coming in makes it super easy for me to get what i need um especially when i'm notified you know really easy to sign in and check it out so um you know i'm, I'm curious because eric you've been in this space for a while alex um ball box recently launched uh, a few years ago um but you know newer in the space uh did you look to people like eric you know and his company uh when you were getting started in this space and uh, what resources kind of helped you were getting started? Absolutely. So um, definitely looked at uh, what Arc was doing in the space. There's a couple other players as well. Um, you know, initially we got into the market through consumer product rental. So we were trying to use a similar locker base or kiosk based technology to accomplish a whole different goal. Um, the initial iteration of Ballbox was uh, consumer product rental at parks, beaches, hotels, kind of like, you know, uh, open source uh, accessibility to products that you need where you need them. Um, so that was our entry point into the market. Um, obviously, you know, using a similar type of system, um, you know, uh, being lockers, we, you know, inspected uh, Luxor One lockers. We, you know, were looking at those, uh, the, the inner, working, inner workings of those to uh, kind of guide uh, direction in, in terms of what we should be developing. Um, you know, when we got into the space, there was a, you know, there was a huge emphasis on, on item sharing. So bird scooters kind of came out around that time. Um, there, there was kind of a slump in the retail business and we kind of started putting pieces together um, and, and, and developed this, you know, this strategy to have, you know, lockers placed at public place, places, uh, you know, parks, beaches, and then eventually got into hotels as well as apartment complexes. One of the things that we realized is when we went the B2B route and started working with apartment complexes and uh, not necessarily hotels, but more so apartment complexes, we would we found out that you know the key real estate in these buildings were typically occupied by Luxor One machines um, or, or other package management services. And you know, time and time again, we kind of got that as a rebuttal saying, hey, we already you know this is a great idea, but we already have space here. So uh, one thing led to another and, you know, we kind of thought, hey, this is a massive business. The package management space is a, is a massive industry um, that, that's growing very rapidly. So why don't we kind of take, you know, our core business, um, add it to a service that is very, very much needed for apartment complexes and uh, try to kind of, you know, push a little bit of innovation in the space and um, add, a, add a bit of a twist on, on traditional package management. So. Um, you know, building our, our software and, and, and uh, kind of business strategy, I mean, we very much look towards, um, you know, Luxor One and the other folks in the space to, to craft, you know, what our business model should be, what our pricing model should be, how do we, you know, how do we build these things? Um, so there's definitely inspiration that's taken um, from, from predecessors. Um, and I think, you know, that, that's kind of uh, relevant and, you know, no matter the industry, everything is kind of built upon uh you know what was done pre previously um so that that's that's kind of what we did you know we looked at the other players um you know very closely and uh took took everything that they did well and and, and tried to, to add uh, the ball box spin on it no that's great and i totally agree like before you're getting into any space you know especially like a new market or industry like 
it's really nice to just be able to see what other people have been able to build in the space, you know, do your own due diligence, but then that um, create conversation with people, create relationships, start to talk to these individuals whom have been in the space for a while. So I think that that's really good advice. Um, Eric, I see, and those listening probably won't be able to see them, but those watching the interview will be able to see that there are some uh, awesome lockers behind you. Um, so from the first iteration of the product, you know, before, like when you had the idea um, to, you know, the last versions um, to come of Luxor One, I'm curious, you know, how did you um, continue to evolve the product over time? And um, I think the larger uh, question here is, um, how can people find product market fit? Uh, it's going to depend with which industry. It's going to depend what company uh, they're trying to build. Uh, but if we can hear about your experiences finding product market fit, that'd be great. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, the first one is sort of the evolution of the locker. Um, you know, I do have some experience in hardware prior to starting uh, Lexor One or Laundry Locker as well. But, you know, it's still a lot of, a lot of playing. I mean, I, Back at our old office, we had a, a plywood locker, which was literally one of the first lockers I built. And I took out a saw and put it together and tried to figure out what kind of dimensions do you need to be able to handle shirts. And then I actually remember we were in China looking at manufacturers and it clicked. I figured out we actually have a patent on it now, a way to have a locker that looks like a normal locker, but inside it has an angle, which allows you to hold dresses and long items in it. So, you know, it's those aha moments. Um, I love getting my hands into the, the hardware. I mean, like Alex was saying, you know, every time I see a locker, I mean, I'm, I just start geeking over it. And I'm looking at every single thing and how they do this. What's the angle on that? What kind of nuts are they using on this? What kind of air vents? I mean, I'm looking at a locker like nobody looks at a locker, um, but you're trying to figure out and see, uh, see every different aspect of it. So, I mean, that's sort of what, you know, going back to your first question around you just got to be perceptive, right? Mm -hmm. And you have to find something that you're passionate about and sink your teeth into it and really, you know, look at it at a level deeper than anybody else would look at it. Uh, as far as getting product market fit, uh, you know, what I say to people, a lot of, a lot of entrepreneurship is timing and just having the wherewithal to stick it out, right? I mean, I, there's, there's, when I started Laundry Locker, I spent every night in a different apartment building talking to people, trying to convince them uh, to use, our lockers. So that was a really interesting one because there really was nobody was thinking, hey, I need a, uh, a a different way to do dry cleaning. You know, the dry cleaning industry had been around forever, but we disrupted it and changed it. And there's not a dry cleaner in the world that doesn't really know about laundry locker right now because we're one of the only innovative things to come to that industry in years. So, you know, when you're innovating and creating a new market, uh, a new channel like that, it's, it's just, uh, you somehow, sometimes you just gotta have the conviction to go for it. I, I shared the story with you around the parcel lockers, um, but that was an interesting story as well, because what happened was we knew there was this need. And so we had a locker, we built the locker. In fact, this locker, you can't see it if you're just listening, but this white locker is literally the first Luxor One locker we ever built. We pulled it out of the building that it was in and reinstalled one of our newer versions of lockers, talking about iterating. Uh, but that locker itself is the first locker that we ever built. We worked with a manufacturer in the States that was really iterative and worked well with us to design the first um, locker and get it out there. But when we were working with buildings and trying to get in, they were like, listen, this is cool, but we're not going to pay for these lockers. Like, this is a UPS, a FedEx problem. You got to figure out a way to put these lockers in our buildings for free. And so we spent like a year or two trying to figure that out. How in the world are we going to be able to get these lockers into parking buildings? We know they need them, but they're not willing to pay for them. Um, 
some of our competitors actually come from the state. So I'm more of the hardware, software, tech guy. So we are known in the industry as being the most tech forward and, and having the most innovation. Um, but they come from the property management side, really knew how to sell to those customers, right? So they mm -hmm. built the demand and they were able to build a model where the buildings were willing to pay for these lockers, where the companies we had talked to in our market said, yeah, cool, we're not paying for the lockers. Uh, but the market changed and they were able to you know, create it and it was enough demand and enough pain that they were feeling with all the packages that eventually they started to pay for it and realized that it was an amenity. Also, there was like an amenity warrant going on at the time. So every property wanted to have more amenities than the other. So, mu so much of it is just being in the right place at the right time, having the right product, and then being able to capitalize on it quickly. And that's what we did. Uh, you made a great point about conviction. Though. I really enjoyed that. Um, you know, I spoke with someone recently that tagged it as an entrepreneurial conviction. Uh, you got to be obsessed with something. You know, you're able to think about it constantly. You can't stop thinking about it. You, you can't see a locker without thinking about, uh, you know, like your own company and like, you know, how it can be changed and, uh, you know, evolve. So I think that uh, if, if you can find something that like not only you're passionate about, but something that you cannot stop thinking about constantly, like that's a telling sign that you should be pursuing something uh, within that field for sure. Um, so Alex, earlier, Eric made the great point um, in talking about himself. Uh, he said that he's a jack of all trades. I'm curious, you know, if you think 20 somethings are better off, uh, I know it depends, obviously, you know, what they're pursuing, but uh, do you see more value in being a master of one or um, a jack of all trades? You know, I think it really depends on what you end up doing. I think, uh, you know, if you end up starting a company, you kind of have to be a jack of all trades because you're going to be in all, involved in every single facet of the business. Um, you know, similar to Arik, I, I consider myself as a jack of all trades, um, you know, come from a finance background, ended up working in banking for a couple of years, worked at a uh, fintech startup, ended up working at uh, Oracle uh, under ERP systems as a consultant and impl impl implementation consultant. So um, I've kind of, you know, dabbled in a variety of different industries, and I definitely see how uh, the learnings that, you know, I've had mm -hmm. from each of those experiences have been applied to what I do now, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, setting up my sales organization, whether it's um, thinking about product development in terms of software, um, you know, a lot of, you know, whether, it's, you know, building a, a financial model, uh, which was kind of day in and day out for me when I was at Wells Fargo. So there's a lot of different things that, um, you know, I think are important to pick up as, as you progress through your career, um, because, uh, you know, at some point, you know, I think that, you know, they're, they're going to be used, you know, a lot of the previous experiences kind of end up as, uh, you know, just tools and on, on your tool belt. Um, you know, even before that, you know, I grew up in, in, in a family with uh, small businesses. So you know, work alongside my dad, my uncle, um, all of these different things, uh, you know, definitely have, have, you know, equipped me to be able to do, uh, you know, what I do today. But in terms of, you know, 20 something, you know, being a specialist is, is great. Um, and it gives you, you know, very deep understanding about, uh, you know, what you're doing. It allows you to kind of have a, uh, you know, an, an ability to see uh, an industry or, you know, process in a different way than a lot of people, uh, a lot of other people, for example, you know, are, uh, you know, he's been in the locker industry for 15 years. I've been in this industry for about four years. Um, you know, we look at lockers and automated vending systems in, in a much different way than you know a passerby uh you know any any standard person would so having industry expertise stuff definitely goes a long way and you're gonna need to uh with you know regardless of the industry you end up in uh, but also just being able to have um you know 
uh, a breadth of knowledge uh, to reflect on and kind of apply uh, from previous experience uh, is only going to kind of, you know, propel you to, to see things and, you know, from a different angle as well. So no matter how deep of an expert you are in a certain subject matter, being able to utilize previous experience to, to you know, have a different angle or different perception on things is, is definitely valuable. Yeah, you shared a lot of great advice there. I kind of just want to break down um, some of those points. Yes, like it's amazing to be like the best of what you do. If you can find one thing that you specialize in, like, you know, that, that's going to make you an asset uh, to any company. But um, I do also agree, like it depends what industry you're in. It depends the size of the company. I mean, you guys both built startups. So being a jack of all trades, like totally makes a lot of sense because the best CEOs, the best founders, you know, they, they've kind of tried and at least have had experience with, pretty much every side of their business that they've built. Um, and, you know, they don't have to be the best at every single task, but they at least need to like have that experience because if you're going to want to tell other people what to do that you're hiring, uh, you kind of at least want to have a general understanding of like that role, that responsibility, et cetera. Um, so, yeah, I think it is good to like have a lot of different skills, uh, be able to know when to use those, how to use those. Um, but, you know, as you progress through your career, if you're able to find something that, you're really good at very passionate about um that's something that every 20 something should be able to take advantage of so that's really good advice um so eric to close the interview um you know because we spoke about um how you got into this space you know over 15 years ago um how it's evolved um over time um and i'm just curious you know looking forward now uh, what can we expect in the um industry of personal management any trends predictions that you have um, that maybe the 20 something listening to this right now, whom, whom is interested in getting into this space, uh, should know about. Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunity that's coming, um, with lockers, with parcel management. I mean, the, the volume of e-commerce, which directly correlates the volume of parcels is not going to uh, slow down anytime soon. Right. And so I talked about sort of the early stage, which is, Hey, you got a problem. You get five or 10 packages you're handling at the front desk. Now you're getting 50 or 100, you need lockers. You get to 1,000, 2,000, and you just can't do lockers, right? So there's going to be something, there, there has to be a what's next. Lockers are going to play a space in, in, in certain areas, but there's going to be, you know, whether it's automated vehicles, more robotic, hmm. uh, different types of solutions to expand how we handle larger volume when it comes to parcels. I think you're also going to start seeing a massive um, uh, market growing around lockers. We've seen it happen in other countries. In the U.S., the proliferation of lockers has been way slower than anywhere else. And you can only imagine if there's lockers everywhere, all the different types of services that are going to sit on top of it. So, you know, parcel management through lockers is something that Amazon and Luxor One and our competitors have really pioneered and, and created a, a stake in the ground around. But there's all kinds of exciting things that are happening with lockers now. I mean, You've got all the re you've got a lot of retailers are starting to roll out lockers, Home Depot, Best Buy, Lowe's. Uh, so they're using them for buy online, pick up and store. You're starting to see food lockers for all the food delivery. Food delivery is going through the exact same curve that we saw. We just an investment in a company called Minnow, which is placing lockers in ghost kitchens and office buildings and apartment buildings to do food. Uh, you're seeing key lockers for Airbnb. So I think lockers solve the problem, which is, you know, drones are great, but I got to be here when the drone drops something off. Lockers allow both sides to operate so much more efficiently. So the mm -hmm. delivery infrastructure is able to run an optimized route and have multiple deliveries per stop and just load them in the locker. So they know they're going to do a first time delivery. They're in and out of there. 
and they do it on their schedule. And then the consumer is picking it up on their schedule. So it's what we call an asynchronous transaction uh, and they become a storage point. So anything can interface with lockers, whether it be drones, uh, humans that are making deliveries, uh, if you need to store things. So that, I think you're gonna see many, many use cases over the next few years that uh, drive the mass proliferation of lockers. It's a very exciting time. And uh, yeah, Eric, Alex, just want to say thank you so much for spending time on In Their 20s. Not only are we trying to share the best advice from the best people, uh, but also I just want to be able to give our listeners an inside look at uh, industries that probably don't know a whole lot about how they operate um, so they can see and understand the opportunities that are um, (laughs) within their reach. So thank you so much, guys. Appreciate you.